Hello everyone, this is Sao. Welcome to the second episode of the Youth Value Podcast. On the quest to find his identity with the golden boot, Raphael Quaid seeks to use photography to, to find lost ties with his family that he proved he lost in Khmer Rouge. Born and raised in French, currently based in Nguyen, this colorblind photographer seeks to use photography to find the beauty of an ordinary people on the street. Special created this episode and to celebrate colorblindness, this whole episode will be in black and white. Without further ado, please welcome Raphael Pei to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. I'll slide in and then big congrats on your successful photo photography project of the Little Street series with the Red on the Street. Um, big congrats on that. Would you mind tell us more about how did you come up with the idea of the Little Job series and what's the meaning behind the Little Job series that you did with Greg? So as you know, I started photography as a street photographer for years and uh, we have a kind of obsession for street people. I think that they are beautiful, they are gorgeous, but most of the time they are pretty invisible to people. Mm-hmm. So in my photographic journey in Cambodia, I finally discovered a studio job. And I was thinking something like, how can I mix the beautiful lighting that we can have in the studio and the people from the street who are gorgeous? And I ended with this special idea to set up a studio on the radio side and trying to bring them inside. Do you know a photographer named Erwin Penn? Erwin Penn? No, I did not. It's a famous American uh, photographer and he, he was a fashion photographer. Wow. Before that, he was a painter. So then he became a fashion photographer because at that time it was the most convenient way to get money from photography. Yeah. But he also did something that many people don't know. It's a series about ethnographic costume all over the world. So he went in Africa, in Asia, doing some black and white gorgeous pictures of people from the street. So when I was studying his work, I was thinking, why not doing the same thing? Pen, and I met Greg one year. And uh, we were talking about Irving Penn and my ideas of uh, shooting people from the street in a studio setting. Uh-huh. And uh, we immediately um, were on the same page. So it was just uh, obvious that we need to do that. And especially together. So for me, Greg is one of the most amazing street photographers in Cambodia. Uh-huh. He's doing his documenting Cambodian streets since years, and I think his pictures are completely poetic. There's a lot of beauty in his job. Yes. So, and still, I'm still learning photographic technique, technical things. So, I was thinking that if I invite him to my project, I will learn a lot, and that's what happened. So, we managed to find a place on the riverside. Put our studio where, yeah, yeah. and then I had some friends coming with me, and they were in charge of finding people in the street, uh-huh. anyone, uh-huh. any kind of people, from the youngest to the oldest people. Uh, all those people in the riverside, we are all used to them, but they are almost invisible for many people also. Whoa. We see them like every day, yeah, and finally we never stop to, yeah. So the idea was to put them under the light. To offer them a professional shooting. It's a tribute to Helping Band Works also. So that was the idea. Showing the world that in Cambodia we have beautiful and gorgeous people everywhere, even in the street or 
small things like selling food or anything. But uh, yeah. so this series was a was a blast, and I understood that I will continue that kind of setting. I have a portable studio. I can go anywhere and offer that to the people. So I want to wow. offer that to anyone, wow. as much as I can. Well, that's that's a beautiful story you have there. I, I I'm really finding really interesting how you mentioned the fact that the street people on the on like the street workers, street vendors, they are invisible in the sense that they are not valuable, right? If if I if I remember correctly, like how they are they, they don't. We walk past them, we walk through them, you know, we would buy things from them, but we would never get a chance to put them under the lights and give them like a, a picture. So that's what you are trying to make, am I correct? You are correct. So the idea was to document the riverside uh, uh, little jobs because I know that in like 10 to 20 years most of them will disappear. Will disappear. Well, disappear as in Yes, that's the reality because we have exactly the same processing plants. Yeah, so yeah. You know, the regulations, hygiene, hygiene things, uh, all those things will make them disappear. Wow. And that's a very important part of the economy of Cambodia. Mm-hmm. We have maybe millions of people surviving in Cambodia because of those little jobs. And you know how the world is evolving, most of this kind of activity disappear everywhere in the world. So I was obsessed to document that. And I think I will be back there in 10 years and do the same thing and in 20 years. Maybe I will find the same person or maybe there will be no one still working on the river side. So let's see what will happen. I hope we still keep these activities because people need that to survive. Mm. So this is how the world is changing and it's changing very fast. Wow. Wow. I remember a bit of background with me and, and Bobby. I remember we met back in around April and we were talking about how we want to start different projects on the Amsterdam project, just to list a few the Amsterdam project, the Gramat project, the Little Job Series project, and many other projects. And, it talk, and, and I remember you talking about how photography, photography has been a purpose of you bridging your identity. For, for your Cambodian roots and that, that you lost ties in the Uh Talk about how, how does photography link, you know, link your identity with your, your Cambodian roots through street photography in Cambodia. Thank you. So my dad came in France in the 70s, right before the Khmer Rouge, he was studying law in Paris, and then the war started. All my family has been slaughtered at that time, very early during the time. So, my dad um, has only one obsession at that time, it was to come back to France, to Cambodia, sorry, and uh, to be able to show us this country and to be linked to our roots. So, my mother, she's French, but my dad died, I was only nine. So, I've been completely aware of Cambodia. My Cambodian roots for years. I didn't know the Cambodian diaspora in France. So everything for me was about my Cambodian identity. But I think, like many Cambodians from France, um, was a bit aside. I think for us, most of us, we were just obsessed to become French. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like more romantic language, you know, it's cool, it's this and that. 
So I was surrounded by French and people from all over the world, and I, my Cambodian identity has always been something that I was looking for a way to be involved and to be connected. So I came in Cambodia in 2001 with only two pictures and two letters from my dad. Two pictures and two letters. Yeah, so one picture was my grandparents, Peksamba, and my grandfather, his name was Manmanta. Right? So, and one picture of my aunt. And just one letter with a few information that uh, Francois Bancho translated, translated for, for me in Paris. Uh, so I came in Cambodia with my friends, um, since kindergarten, so very old friends, and they, they were supportive to help me to find my family. I came back here, went all around Cambodia with my pictures and letters, and finally I found them. Oh, yes. So you found your aunt, your yeah, my grandmother, grandmother, many cousins and uncles, all the survivors. So they were living in combat. They knew that I was uh, existing, but they, we lost all the connections um, when my father died. So it was a big surprise for them and a big one for me and during that. So I've been blessed because not so many people who came back in Cambodia were able to find their relatives. So I've been very lucky. And since, since that day, I have only one idea is to become a bit more Cambodian. When you are French Cambodian, you are in France, you are considered like a, a, a French with roots from outside. <laughs> when you come back here, you are the same thing. So everything is about being able to live good life, yeah. being French and Cambodian. This double identity is, can be hated, but since I started photography, I feel way better. Wow. So it helped me a lot to connect with Cambodian people, uh, to show respect to the Cambodian culture, and um, yeah, that's, um, I think art can say for me everything, so wow. Remind me, that was back when we, maybe you were, what age? Uh, when I came here, yeah. the first time, I was 21. What? So, just to be clear, so you came here at 21 with four pictures, you yeah. can find your families, two pictures, two letters, and nothing else. To find your family, wow. And how did you find friends to, to connect with you on you know, on the photos? And maybe you go for it. Well, from what I see is that they, they, they would go to television and they would advertise on, you know, I had to put it up on like the show. Try you know, putting on the TV and putting on like different platforms, trying to reach out and connect to the you know, old relatives and everything. So, how does your, your process work? Like, is it like more less of that or more just like mouth to mouth, you know, talking? Interesting question because in 2001, yeah. we were not used to have social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. So, it was a very old style way of doing things. It was connecting with people, real people, and asking them. Do you know what's supposed to be? Can you help me for that? So I was in Cape at that time. Oh, you were in Cape? And, and in, because I went to combat, on the letters from my dad, there was something about combat. So I was thinking maybe they are around that place. So I went there, uh, I tried combat everywhere with my letters and pictures, going to the market, in the industry. Do you know those people? Uh, but you need to know something. Most of the people, um, they don't remember their image before the marriage. So yeah, even my grandmother, when she saw her, she wasn't able to recognize herself, same for my aunt. 
So that was very interesting at that time. So how I found them, it's a very funny story. I was uh, in Cape, and at that time, I decided with my friend to establish a camp, uh, a camp on the cotton side. So but just before that, I was telling my guest, I was and there was a French who were living in Cambodia since maybe one or two years. Mm -hmm. And I was explaining him uh, my quest and that I was looking for my family. And he said, oh, I know many people in Cambodia, so maybe if you give me the pictures and the letters during your time on Cotton Sign, maybe I can try to find them. Oh, so, so, so it's on an island? So I met him in Cape. Okay. But uh, the day after, I was supposed to, to stay on the island for maybe one or two weeks. With my family. Okay. So at that time, there was no guest house, no touristic facilities, only people living on the island. Yeah, yeah. So it got outside. Got inside. Got inside. Got inside. Exactly, right. Exactly. Right. Right. So uh, I went there, my friend and I were fishing and living our life on the island. Very nice experience. Uh -huh. But during that time, my friend Daniel went to Cambodia and he met someone who can't speak French. Uh, this woman died since that time, but she was an amazing person in child education in Cambodia. Oh. And when she saw the picture, she, she said to him, I know those people. Yeah. So he went to see them, and when he met my aunt, he showed the picture and she didn't recognize herself. But she said, but she recognized her mother. So, uh, was clear that it for me at that time, so I was on the island, I knew nothing about that, but my friend wants to be sure that those people were the right person. We never know. So my aunt went somewhere in the house, she was digging for something in a box and she got a picture from my sister at that time. So she gave that picture to my friend Daniel. Uh -huh. Daniel came back on the island and he said to me, I found your family. I was thinking maybe that's not true. Yeah, that's so that's how so easy yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was looking for them since like two months already, so mm -hmm. I was almost uh, thinking that it would be impossible to find them. So I said don't don't play with me, don't do things like that. And then <laughs> remember he showed me the picture of my sister. Mm -hmm. And then I understood that he really found them. So he said, Come quick in the boat. I arrived in Cape and there was like 150 person waiting for me. So it was just my life completely changed at that point. Um, it was just a very big emotion, something very powerful. And then I met him and since that day I feel a bit more Cambodian. Wow, and then that was in, so it's still in 2001. 2001. Wow, can you imagine 100 moto? Driving from Cape to Cambodia, I arrived to that place and my grandmother was sitting in the middle of the, the room. And when she saw me, she saw her son. So, wow! So it's like it's it's it's, it's I feel like it's a miracle. Is it? How is it? Would you say it's a miracle? Yes, it's it is. almost like a miracle that it's like the fact that everyone is like, hey, I met your family, and then it's like. And now your family is right there, and then, wow, it's just things like good things happen like one after the other for you. It seems like I've been very lucky to tell you the truth because I know since that day that many people have the same quest from all over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not so many people are able to find a big and healthy and kind family like I did. So 
having something to show the world and having a camera in your pocket all the time. And I'm the kind of guy who goes everywhere with a camera since like 20 years. I always have a camera. I can't go anywhere, even if I have to go to buy some bread outside, I go out with my camera in my pocket. So I'm always ready to capture something. And uh, when I saw that, maybe because many people they don't want to, they, they are focused on technique. I think most photographers are not session for technique, and sometimes they completely forget that what is the most important is not the technique, but it's what is happening in front of you. And I've been lucky enough in my life to travel a lot and I've seen a lot of amazing things. So uh, I document my life. I did that for my kids and. Um, Sorry, I forgot the beginning of the question. The, also, also the, the question was how did you uh, use photography to, 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 to bridge the identity and how did you have the courage to put up the photos? Okay, so when I started to share, I've been very surprised because the feedback was quite good, very fast. So I continue to have a kind of routine, like uh, every day I know time to work for one hour, taking pictures in the street and sharing that. So I did that for a few months. But then something very special happened. So I met someone, uh, his name is Derek. And then I met him and he offered me the, the opportunity to work in a studio for the first time. And so it was clearly a revelation to me. So it was just so cool to have light and to control. So I learned a lot about technique and uh, it was a brand new world in photography. Yeah. Uh, but I was still obsessed with the street people, you know. I grew up in the suburb of Paris, I spent my life in streets, I have a very strong urban culture, mm -hmm. um, from music to uh, art and whatever which is related to streets. So street is what I am, I'm a guy from the street. And uh, when I discovered the studio work, uh, what I said before with the uh, uh, job series, I was thinking, oh, I can reach those two. So, this is where I am now. I'm still working with lights, but now I want to bring those lights everywhere I can. Wow, so it's a track with studio light outside to the street now. Exactly. Wow. And well, talking about Kesalitake, uh, we, we, we have him for our first episode of the Venue Podcast, and I told him that for the second episode, I'll rub it all for the next guest. And there are some questions that he also would like to ask on my behalf. If you'd like to ask, uh, one of the questions is, you would like to ask is, what is your ikigai? Or what is your life, life purpose? You know, what's your reason for being? And in the second question, the second question is that Taki also wanted to ask is, how did you come up with all these photography projects? How, where did you get your inspiration? Let's say for the little job series, for the Osara project, for the drama series, and many other products that, that are uh, coming in the future. How, what's your routine and how did you come up with all this aspiration for the project? Excellent question, I guess. Big love to talking. So for me, I have one purpose in life. Only one. It's to be happy. To be happy. To be happy. That's it. That's it. I am, and there is many ways of being happy. Uh, I think I am old enough now to know that there is not only way of being happy, there is different ways of 
finding your way to be happy. But it's it's something you have to focus on. Many people forget that. You wake up in the morning, <laughs> you have to think about that, like an intention. I want to be happy. And I noticed something since I'm getting a bit older. You can't be happy if the people around you are not happy. So my obsession is to help the people around me to be happy. First my family, my friend, and just to be happy, you need to have someone who support you, who can listen to you, who can help you to improve your daily life. Yes. So, being happy, and right now, my mission is to find a way to feel good with my Cambodian identity. And wow. I feel way better since I started photography. I have met so many amazing people. So, Yes, my Ikigai, I think it's a very simple one. <laughs> we forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many people just forget that. We do things to be happy. If you do something that not makes you happy, you should think about should I continue that or not? Wow. What is your definition of happy then? Like, okay, for some people, they can define happy as being having a lot of money, having a house, having a bed to stay. Some people, but it's different between other people. What is your definition of happiness in your in your work? Very good question. So I guess that for me, happiness is when you feel that people cares about you and when you can take care of other people. So it's very linked to I think family first. Of course, if you have a healthy relationship with your family, it will bring you joy and happiness for sure. Um, and being happy is also being safe. Living being safe. Yes, living in a place where, where you know that you will feel safe and you will be respect and that everything will be alright. I don't it doesn't mean that life will be easy, but it means that all around me I will make choices that will help me to be happy. And if I'm happy, maybe I will help other people to become happy. My kids first, probably my wife. Well, so it's like, so correct me if I'm wrong. So you're saying that being happy is about being kind, being kind to other people, and then other people being kind to you in response, or is that it? It can be that, but I think it is not related to being kind or not being happy. You can be a very bad person and being happy. Yeah, true. I guess that there is many. But for myself, it's not just being kind. It's it's being linked and connected to people. Being alone is very common. Some people like to be very alone and they are happy like that. For me, it's being connected. As much as I can be connected to other people, I feel happy. I feel better. I feel good. Wow, being connected as in like which one is talk about that or that being connected. Yeah, it can be like with art activities that you have around, it's being inside the community. Because I've been a side of the Cambodian community all my life almost. So for me happiness right now is being back to my Cambodian roots directly. So back to the question again. So talking about photography has been a big purpose of yours because through photography you've been able to find your identity a bit safer, you say, in Cambodia. And how have you been finding the inspiration for photography doing the street, you know, doing the 
living with a purpose, doing photography every day, how did you find the inspiration to do that, script or do that? How did you really, I find it really interesting how you able to, you know, wake up, shoot, find time to do it. How did you get that motivation? Okay, so I'm really addicted to photography. And that's something very special, uh, the way I do that. I'm not addicted to the result. I'm addicted to the fact of pressing the shutter. <laughs> that's very special, but I need to do that. That's something very important for me. Of course, if I have wonderful film in front of my camera, it's better, but I can never do nothing. So, that's something that is interesting in the way I consider photography. I never think about the final result. I do things maybe in the opposite way of many people. When they have an idea in mind, they will do everything to make it happen. Uh, me, I just create a context for models or people to be photographed. So I just let them do what they have to do. I never give instructions to people, I never ask them to be like that or to. No, I'm not interested in that. I want to create a context where people can be photographed in a safe and respectful environment. So that's why everywhere, every time I am shooting, my daughter shoots with me. Because I think it's also a family affair. I want my daughter and my son to understand that their dad is respectful about the people around him. Oh, so for example, I live in Strip 9 next to Sakako, and yeah. I'm about to set up my studio in the market. Yeah, in the market. In the market. I don't really know how I can do that, but I will find a way. I'm still planning that. Um, as I told you a few seconds before, I'm not interested about what will happen. I'm sure something will happen, and I will be here to capture that. So this is how I, I approach photography. It's just being ready to press the shutter, to create the condition for people to feel good, and to be ready to be photographed. And uh, of course, when you work with professional, professional models, as I did, it's very easy. You offer them the condition and they know what they have to do, but when you strict people, it's very different. It's, it's, it's very different. Yeah. So we take time, we just let them be themselves, and I capture that. Um, this is the idea. Wow. So, so what, what's been your most interesting photography project that you've been, you've been doing so far? The one I really appreciate was the one in the Pagoda. So I was in combat with my family and um, I was discussing about maybe setting my, uh, my studio inside the Pagoda. Mm -hmm. And they said, yes, we can do that. Oh, I said, wow, very good. <laughs> I was surprised a little too, but I said, okay, let's do it. So, but of course, every year we go there for two men and to show respect to um, uh, people. So we were there and then they discussed with the monk in charge yeah. and he said yes. When it will be over, for the last minute, you can set up your studio at the entrance of the pagoda and the pagoda was full of people. So all my cousins, my aunt and all my relatives helped me to find some people and everyone was super excited to oh. come and to join. Yeah, it was like a, like a pleasure for them. So I got almost like 20% or maybe more in a very short time, like 30 to 40 minutes yeah. and to capture that. So it was, I think, the most important project I did because I was with my relatives working on a photographic project 
paying respect to the people. Mm -hmm. This is where my grandmother is, and uh, many of my ancestors stayed in that corner. And the idea was to show them respect. So I still need to work on that series and I can share it soon. Wow. So you say, would you mind tell us a bit more about the, the meaning behind the, the project that you did in Dakota? It's exactly the same idea, the same idea on the as uh, the series on the river side. It's to set up a studio where it's not supposed to be. You know, by the we don't see much people. So people like to uh, photograph um, the, the background. So we need to see people in the pagoda, we see everything. But me, I just cut and push away the background to put something very natural, like a white one, red one. And I take those people like they are with no makeup, nothing, no props. They just, they just come like they are. And I try to offer them a beautiful portrait. So it's also a way of documenting life. Wow. So really life in Cambodia, but in a different way. So it's all about like, putting uh, studio lights into the invisible, as you call it, exactly. to, to the people on the street that are given the opportunity to do so. Exactly. And we do the same thing with workers in the factory. Uh, I paint the Latin market in my street. Yeah. I have many ideas like that. So people are very happy to join us on the night. Wow. And that's very surprising because most of them, when they're right, they ask me how much is it. Yeah, what they are often. So, you need to know something about me. I don't do anything related to money with photography. I'm lucky enough to have another activity that for me a very good life. And uh, so for me, photography must be a way from money. I don't need that money, so every time someone asks me uh, to do some private shooting for money, I would use that. Uh, so I prefer to keep it like a way of express myself. Uh, if I start a business with it, it can really become something else. Wow. And, and I remember one of the uniqueness I would say about you is also that the fact that you are a colorblind. And tell us a bit more on if that become a barrier for you in, in doing photography or not. How you see the world, how we see the world is different, but it's unique in both ways. How does it been affecting your photography and your uh, colorblind? So since I'm very young, for me, the colorblind is, uh, is a curse. It, uh, it's a curse? Yes, a kind of uh, negative. Yes, something quite negative and you feel like you have a disability, you don't see the world like the other, you feel bad about that. So being a photographer and not seeing the colors on the right way, you can imagine how difficult it is. So I never shared anything, I just took a picture for myself. Uh, I never watched events, so I have boxes in France, in my house, full of camera oil that I never developed, so I've never seen them, i never checked them, it's just waiting for me somewhere. So, uh, as I told you, the result has, has, has never been something important for me. It was just being here and making picture. So, but being colorblind, finally, <laughs> turned to be something positive for me in photography. Uh, I, mean, I think one of the only one photographer in London that only used color, uh, black and white imagery. Yeah. Mostly. Uh, and finally, it helped many people to discover my work because if you arrive on that page, you will see something in consistent. Yes, exactly. Right. So, something that has been always difficult for me finally became something very positive and I began. So, I'm very happy 
one more time. <laughs> wow. So does that have that ever been like you know been something that's difficult for you being colorblind? Like yes, obviously it's very complex because you you, you can't trust your eyes. So you always need to have your friends or people around you feel that. Example: If I go to buy some clothes, I'm not sure what I'm buying. Maybe uh -huh. some I don't see any difference between purple and blue. To tell you the truth, so yeah. so it's always you feel dependent of your. You feel that you need people to help you when it comes to color. That you need to paint the wall in your house. Or I need to tell you something else. I was a street artist for years when I was younger. I was doing graffiti in Paris. Mm -hmm. And almost all over the world, also. And uh, so I always use uh, silver color and black. <laughs> I never tried to put some colors in my graffiti every time I tried. The result was very special. So, yeah, I don't see the world like you see. Oh. Um, I'm used to that. And it's something that, that's very interesting in my family. It's very genetic. So, if you go on my mother's side, all the boys have put on that. Yeah, yes, uh, forever. Like, every time we have a new, a new baby coming in the family, we have to use this one, I guess. So, my son is now only four years old, and I still putting a bit more to be sure that he can see the like you or maybe like me. Mm -hmm. It will be probably like me. But it's fine, I'm used to it like that. Walk, walk us through a, a day, like, let's say, let's say, like, how do you see the world being colorblind? Let's say, let's say, when I see many different colors you know, and stuff like that. And would you see it like differently? Or would you see it like in black and white? Or how would you see it? So I don't have the black and white uh, uh, color blindness. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's more the shade of blue. I don't see them in the shade of gray. And every time there is something with a lot of color mixing, I don't get uh, some kind of confusion in my brain. I think so I'm not a big fan of very powerful editing. I know that many, since we get in the digital area in photography, people just play with color a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they try to, finally, they ask the viewer to focus on this. Or they, they, it's a kind of a way of to, to direct people's eyes. So when I see that, since I don't see exactly how this thing, for me, most of the time, it's a okay. I really don't like this kind of imagery, but I understand that some people like it because they can see the colors. I respect the fact that many people like it, but mm -hmm. when it's too much, when people put a lot of colors everywhere, I lost very fast. So this is not something I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Heavy editing. Um, yeah, people spend more time on this than finding what they have to put in front of their camera. I think it's a big mistake. Well, most important for me is it's, it's not the way we edit your picture, but it's what is happening in front of your camera. So you were speaking about creativity. And so for me, it's not thinking about what I will do with my camera, it's thinking about what will be in front of my camera. What will happen if I ask this kind of people, if I put this context for those people, and pressing a button and doing Doing fancy editing also, but being able to create a context that something interesting will happen in front of you and mm -hmm. ask you to be aware it's not a question of photography. You can use video, you can use painter or whatever, but what is happening in front of you So it's not about their clothes, the background, the fancy light, the lead or anything that I can 
use in that time. I don't focus on uh, colors, I just focus on light. Or, or light. Is there enough light? Mm -hmm. Will I have some shade of gray? This is how I'm thinking I could work. Got it, got it. So, so you, but for additional cameras, so you shoot with color of gray and then you change it to black and white or I use Rufax, so they are color. You have the color version. Yes. And then I turn it into black and white. And you black and white. But I started the first editing uh, just a few months ago. I never, uh, as I told you, I wasn't, uh, none of my photography were supposed to be shared. So I never did any editing before. I mean, I think yeah. <laughs> that was something that uh, wasn't interesting for me. Uh, so I started when I did the Vatsara series in the studio for the first time. I had to download that tool to understand how it was working, and I'm still in the learning process. So I just finished a master class about that yesterday. You missed on one night um, dramatic portraiture. I just finished something on YouTube. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to learn that right now. And also editing. So yeah, everything for me is not about color. Maybe that's next be something as a uh, for a different photographer because I have no interest for that. Just because I don't see it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm trying yeah. to get a photograph picture with Instagram. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure the result is good, so I will continue my black and white in the three four years. Wow. And so it, it's it's really it, it's really interesting how despite the how you know it's a quote unquote disability, but still like you're still able to show the beauty of the devoted people who you go with your black and white photos. And that's just something that I really inspired that I also really look up to you. It's like when, when, yeah, so my, my photos is in black and white, it's also a big inspiration. You make big inspiration for from yourself as well too. So and then it's it's so I'm really thankful for what you shape the world, your world of photography in black and white with us and inspiring us young photographers, you know. So uh, thanks to you because when I first met you uh, at Ray, well the first one to contact me to speak about my mom. You've been the first one in the world. <laughs> so uh, we had this very interesting uh, conversation together about photography, why we are doing that and uh, how it can be useful for us finally. That's the same thing for you. And uh, when I went back home I said, wow, I'm connected with you. I was telling you my happiness is to be to be connected with people. And yeah. that was the beginning of something. Since I met you, I met hundreds of people after that. From models to people interested in photography, yeah. I have been lucky enough to make this exhibition at the house. So yeah. I met many people with different backgrounds. And uh, all is about that. And the starting point was to meet you and what you are this, this wow. Because I never used social media before. I'm a bit old school. Yeah. I was thinking about most dangerous thing in the world to be on social media. And <laughs> sometimes can be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is a reaction that goes with it. It's very dangerous for many young people. So, this is something people need to be aware of. Uh, but for me, it's a way of connect, being connected with great people. So, I, I hope I use it in a healthy way. I met many, so it's not just something virtual, it's not just something far from reality. For me, social media is being in the real world, meeting great people. I've been with you right now. So, 
I remember we met back in like April for the first time at Java Cafe with Nirwan. Nirwan. And I was like, the first time that I met you was like, hey, I, was, I saw you on Instagram and I saw you on uh, the street photographer, you are street photographer, but we both have, I, I have color, but you don't, but it still shows the beauty of all the community people with your pictures. And I was just really inspired. And then right after that, I just sent him a text, I sent him a text on you know, Instagram. And I think the rest is history. <laughs> the rest, the rest, it's, it's all good things happening one after the other one. Meeting new people every day, so. It has been a very important starting point for me, so I thank you for that. Because it was showing, I understood at that time that some people can be interested in what I'm trying to do. And uh, thank you so much. I will never forget that ever. Thank you so much. I've been, I've been really blessed with photography too uh, so far. And then talking about like showing photography to the world with, uh, with the community people, how do you think, in your opinion, how do you think the world see Cambodia from a third person perspective? How do they see Cambodia and how does that relate to your photography? So something I noticed, because uh, I'm lucky enough to travel, Cambodia is seen like a late country. Okay. But when I say late, it's late in many areas, like artistic way, uh, thinking, uh, cinematic production, music production. People are thinking that we are behind compared to Thailand or Vietnam. It's completely not true, in my opinion. Okay. It's everything is young. It's really we are going to be better. Yes, clearly. And uh, so we have everything ready to show the world how we are confident, competent, and smart. So my photography is about that, showing modernity of Cambodia, showing them how beautiful we are, but we have a lot of ideas and everything is blooming in Cambodia right now. So I have a lot of feedback from people from all over the world, and it's always very good. So it means that we are all, everything is ready to show the world how strong, powerful, and beautiful our culture is. So this is something I want to, to work on. Showing the world this amazing culture, everything is not perfect, but that's true everywhere in the world. Same thing with the American one, Chinese one. So the Cambodian one, and it's a very young country, there is a lot of energy everywhere in Cambodia. People want to succeed. People want to create, and I want to be the one who will capture that. Many photographers, if you take their picture, Cambodian photographers, you won't be able to know if it's in Cambodia or not. There's nothing that shows that. They almost, their picture they can be from London or wherever in the world. We don't see Cambodia. In my imagery, you will see Cambodia everywhere. You will notice that you are in Cambodia. I try to work on very iconic things like the Krama. I want to make pictures easy to read for everyone, from the street people to anyone in the world. So this is one of the things I'm focusing on to make some very easy pictures to read, to understand. There's no, there's no message, there's no complex things to understand. You just watch this, you say, wow, they are beautiful. I hope so. <laughs> wow, wow, so it's all about making things more recognizable, easier for people to spot that 
all this capacities that are organized at all players. So you notice that uh, people are addicted to their social media and media, and they want to make pictures for everyone. For a guy who is living in the right state, far in the countryside, you can understand the picture. You won't be lost. Oh, this is a crime. Oh, this is a crime. A woman. I want people to understand that this photography is for everyone. I'm almost polarizing the Cambodian photography. I want to make something for everyone, not just for a small community that are used to check art or photography. So it must be obvious for everyone. Okay, this guy is in Cambodia. It's easy to identify this. And oh, we are multi. I don't need anything else. It's a very simple way of showing. It's like showing the little things in Korea with really easy recognized things that right. are not like that. So, and once you see it, you know it's right away. It's in Korea. It's Cambodia and all the in the world. Wow. We have everything ready to show the world how beautiful we are. Wow. <laughs> and so far, you yeah, have just made a few projects that you have, you have made. So, you have the Plastic series, you have the Gamal series, you have the Atara project, you have the Little Job series, you have exhibition in the house. What so so that's the past project. So what's in the future? What what's your what projects are you planning to have in, in the future? So I want to continue the plastic series. The series came uh, from Maritak. So she was thinking that there is too much too much too many plastics everywhere in the country and she had this idea that we should do something about that. So I started that uh, with her ideas first. And now I'm working on something different. I'm, I want to work on body positive, so I'm connected with Pido. You know, and we are working on it, so that's the next thing which is coming soon and with the great Geronimo. We are thinking about doing something for the um, language time. Yes, for deaf people. Yeah, so I'm working on this too. Uh, so those two projects are about to be done. Uh, but I continue my drama series. This one I will continue until the end of my life, I guess. Wow. Because it's a very simple one and I've met so many amazing models. It can be anyone. So. Uh, and I will continue to bring my studio in places where where it's not supposed to be. Where you're not supposed to be. Exactly, that's the point, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this wow. I will continue. So I'm improving the way I'm having a nice background because the one I'm using now, there is when it's coming down. So I'm working on technical issue right now. So and it's, I think tomorrow I can discover a new photographer checking his work and having a new exploration because I'm in the learning process of the time. So, it's very good for me to share photography, to work on them, to have people's feedback. So every day I'm learning from, from those feedback and learning from people who know better than me. I'm an eternal learner. Wow, I need to learn every day something new. If let's say, if let's say you're now 42 years old, right? let's say if you were to go back when, when, when you were like 18 or 20 years old now, with the knowledge that you have right now, what, what would be something that you would do different? And what would, what would be some tips and advice that you give to young rising artists or people that also want to follow your footsteps? What would be like a, a, a tip that you would get to them? So first I will change nothing to what I've done before. Yeah. Uh, even if I know more today, I guess that we have to live our life. 
we need to get those experience. So for me, it was about traveling first. If I have to give one advice to young people, go and see what is happening in the world. Go yes. everywhere we can. So if it's just a village next to your village, go start with that. Go and see what is happening in the next village and then the city after that. And if you are lucky enough, you will be able to see what is happening all around the world. There's nothing best for the young than to be able to compare, to have something to give perspective to their own culture. You learn a lot. I don't know how you live when you arrived in the US for the first time. Yeah. It, it was something for you that bring you something more? For sure. So for sure. For sure. Everything is all about that. So in France we have something when we are very young. I don't know if you call that in English, but it's summer camp. Even if you are not very rich, the, the city pays you all days ago. And I did that when I was also like a, a summer trip. Like Probably something like that. It's summer vacation. No. It's, it's vacation. So every, every year when it's summertime, you have two weeks, and uh, the city pays you back. So I went and I started to travel like that. Oh, they pay? Oh. They give you money, you have a group of young people together, and you can organize your trip in different countries. Wow. And it was something, it was a blessing when I was young because I was seriously addicted to discover first country and their culture and the way they think, and the bit of their language, their food, everything that goes with yeah. So, first tip, if you can, go and see what is happening a bit far away from what you are used to. Go outside of your comfort zone as much as you can. Be Eager to learn. Ooh, that's a big one. That's a big one. I'm a teacher, so of course yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <say that. laughs> yeah. think we should all of us be in a learning process all the time. Yeah. And don't get stuck in one thing. Mm. You start something, dig, go deep, and then you feel you can start to master something, try to start something, to learn something else. And at the time, most of the young people, they will find we are all gifted from for something. Ah, uh, you don't even like talents, I get the talents. You need to find your talents. But how, how can you find that? So, experiences. Wow. And to use it. And not to be afraid of failing. You know, we all fail every day. When I watch my photo and I see how. You can check on my profile and you can see how I improve my skills. Even in a short time, it's a popular setting. Yeah. I said you can see how things are going on. It's about what I learned. I took time, I buy books, I took masterclass, I met a photographer, they're observing what they are doing. So all, most of the young people they need to be aware of it. They need to learn, they need to check. And they are, you are your generation is lucky enough to have internet for that. Before it was more complex, if you go to the library and buy a book, in the right person, it was difficult to learn mm. something like that alone uh, in the middle of nowhere. But now you can access to information everywhere, right? And it's free most of the time. So don't be scared of investing in your knowledge and also your travel. There's two things that are very important for my point of view is to be able to meet people who are not like you, being open minded enough to listen to them to learn something from them, and in another way, never stop learning. If something interests you, learn. 
But when I say learning, it's taking plan for that. Dedicate yourself to your learning. Take time every day. And remember when I started to play guitar, it took me like one hour and a half per day for six years of training every day. You need to be consistent when you want to master something. You can't be just training a bit and go away and yeah. going back to that. No. It's something you need to schedule how you will learn. So for many young people it's difficult to anticipate that, but there is a lot of technique uh, to be organized and uh, to dedicate some time to something that you learn. So you like photography, check what the people before you did. You will find a lot of inspiration. Mm -hmm. If you go to the French Institute, we have a beautiful chapter with a lot of uh, most of those books are in French, but the pictures, there is a picture, and then the message. Yeah. So go there, check that, learn from the, the, the guys before, before yourself, and you will try to improve what they did before. So learning, traveling, I think it's two tips, and being open-minded, of course. Oh, if I summarize in the right way, your three tips for you, and for teenagers who are seeking for purposes and finding their passion uh, is traveling, being open-minded, and always, always learning. It's always, it's always learning. And follow your dream, maybe it looks obvious, but if you feel that you really are doing this kind of thing, just try your best to succeed. You will fail many times, you will suffer, many people will say bad things, and will try to find a way to block you and to live your dream, but believe me, if you try hard again and again, something like that. And never forget, especially you know, that the purpose of all those things is to be happy. To feel good in the morning when you wake up, and that you have something to do that you love. So we ever can find something that we love to, life will become super easy. Wow. Well, let's say, how about events? Let's say for the I'm not sure your kids are into arts or photography like you do uh, right now, but what if they do decide to do different thing, how would you respond to, to that? I will always support their um, purpose in life. So, for example, my daughter, she's already in photography, I photograph her my iPad, and she loves to photograph. She has a lot of uh, behind the scenes of, of all my work. It's quite amazing to see her taking pictures when she was shooting. Um, I'm the kind of guy who did many different things. Like, I was living in South America in the jungle for six years. I was a teacher for military camp. I was a dancehall teacher. I did some uh, show with my guitar. What I did, I, I'm also a fighter. I did some crab mega for years. No, we are not only one person. Wow. We have a variety of, of profile and experience, and it's all those things are. I will really help them with the and I will support everything they want to try. That's very important, I think. So, as a dad, I just need to let them try everything they need to try as much as I can. And whatever they come, you're fully, fully support. Whatever they decide, I will give with them. Wow, it's, it's really intriguing to me how that you mentioned that you are you're going from like a you know guitar to a fighter to photographer to a teacher. Wow, so it's like with that knowledge you can be really come divided to your son and daughter as well. So that's that's a, that's a good question. You know when my daughter was born, so she was uh, just 
almost since a minute. She opened her eyes, and I was the first person she saw. And I understood something right away at that moment, exactly at that moment, I will never forget that. All the things I experienced before in my life, the bad and the good one, was to help her now. It was to bring her something. Everything I lived before was for her, to help her to, to discover the world. She will, so go one more advice for the young people. Listen to your parents. Speak with your grandparents. Talk with your parents. It's not always easy in the traditional education, but mm. as much as you can learn from them, you won't make the same mistake. So all the mistakes I've done before, I'm almost sure that my daughter will not make the same because I got this experience and I will bring her like that. So she will be a better me. Wow. And she's already. <laughs> and she's only seven years old. Seven years old? Yes. And wow. She's in what grade right now? She's in grade uh, three. Grade three. Wow. So it's all like listening to like listening to elders, respecting one another, open-minded, traveling. That's something you understand when you have to die. When they die, you many people understand at that moment that it's too late now to get something from them. Right. So enjoy them, document their life. They like elders like to speak. Elders like to, 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 to give your generation and their experience, it's very helpful, and especially in Cambodia. Our elders in Cambodia have very heavy history and things to give us, so take time to speak. Yes, that's very important. It helps a lot not to make the same mistake. But that's also true for a book. There's some book that I read when I was younger and helped me a lot because it was the experience of someone doing his whole life. And me, it took me only six hours to, to get yeah, all these yeah. hours before and I feel very good. We don't make the same mistake most of the time but when you someone share that they did before. Wow. So all this like sound up to like listening to elders, you know, being open minded, being and going to travel or out of your comfort zone, those are like the, the core to to, to, to being like a successful youth, you can't say. Don't be afraid of such fight because some people will try to oppress you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very important. And um, don't be afraid to speak out. Okay, it will be difficult on the moment, but by the end you will feel good because you have expressed yourself also. So when you are stuck or someone wants bad thing for you, don't be afraid to fight. It's also a part of that. Yes. <laughs> but that's very French. Yeah. We like to write. Well, thank you so much. I think we're coming a bit close to the end of the podcast. But before we do, I'll, I'll have a we talk card. So I'll, I'll give you a five questions card, and then you can answer in short sentences or short breaks based on the questions that we have. Okay, so that's right. You choose five questions. One, two, three, four, right, all right. Thank you. Alright, so the first question that we have is what is the one thing you would like to change about yourself? I would like to stop smoking cigarettes. I think I smoke too much. 
Sometimes I start my food for one year, but I always back to me. I love smoking cigarettes and it's not very positive uh, message. <laughs> there is something I would like to change if you want this one. Wow, that's a good one. That's a good one. Alright, so this is the next one. If you could be competing in the Olympics, what sport would you choose? Probably boxing. Boxing. That's when you go back to your, your boxing. Well, it's funny because that night I was training, I was on the ring fighting with someone. So you know, that's something I really like. Martial art helped me a lot when I was younger. Yeah, to bring me focus, discipline, and uh, self confidence. So my daughter, she's very young, she's already doing Jiu Jitsu, Sam, Sam, Yeah, I think everyone, and especially with ladies and girls, really need to be ready. We live in a violent world. Mm. That's obvious, I think. Maybe not so much in Cambodia. But back also. Uh, so you need to be ready to defend yourself. So yeah, there's something around her martial art. It taught me a lot of things. That was when you were at what age you get to? Oh, I started from very young. I think like uh, eight to nine years old. Boxing. Okay. It's always so, a hobby. Like I know, I tried many different. Aspect of martial arts. And this is also what I was saying. I never get stuck in one thing. It's good to be to become excellent and just to do the same activity all your life. I always take that, but this is not my personality. So most of the time, around four years in the sport, I think I start to have a good basis, so I can improve it, bringing something else. Martial arts, you really need to understand that some sports are more efficient for kicking, others for punching, others for protect yourself. So I try to go in different But I travel a lot, so every time I also check what is around. Yeah, so it's different from the external ones. Wow, that's powerful. Alright, oh, then this, uh, the third question is if you could instill one piece of advice in a newborn baby, what advice would you give? <laughs> that's a big one. That's a simple thing I'll be found. That's a big one. I have to give an advice to a baby. To a new one. Yeah, you can speak to, to your mind. <laughs> I will tell you, stay next to your parents. Stay close to your parents as much as you can. They will ah. protect you, they will bring you love, they will give you a safe abandonment to grow up. Stay next to your parents as much as you can. See, I hope my kids will stay next to me. <laughs> My education is to give them the kids to be free. So, you know, when your baby is the next to your parents, when you grow up a bit, start to explore the world with that, then they get to you. But still, we love you. Of course. Everything is around that. Alright, so this is the fourth question. It's a short one. Are you happy with yourself right now? I'm super happy. With your life. Yeah, I'm very good. I really feel like I'm a lucky guy and I have a very simple life and this helped me to be happy like this. So I do my photo and also have my teaching, occupation and everything fits together. I'm busy and I like it. So yes, I think I'm very happy. And that's just the beginning. Wow, I love that, I love that. Alright, here's the last question. What if there's one goal that you would create and everyone in the world would live right. What is that one rule? One what? One rule. Rule. 
Like everyone in the world must follow that book. Do you get the question? No, I understand the question, so, but I'm not a big fan of books. Yeah, you're not a big fan of This is French, this way it is. Throw your big ones away. If I have one word or one law that would be super helpful, it's no more weapon in the world. No more no weapons in the world. Yeah, I hate weapons, to tell you the truth. Uh, so, I don't know if I really answered the question. <laughs> I think that is an answer. One will be no weapons, no all peaceful. Yeah, because I think all those subjects that you might create kids. We shouldn't do that. Okay. We are living in a peaceful world. To be easier, to fight the world. Fight the world. I see that. I see that. Well, I think we come down to the last questions already. And I just want to once again, I'm really, really thankful for you. For you taking your time having this podcast with me. It's been a really pleasure. You've been a really big inspiration to me. I'm really, really thankful. So, what would be your last words for, for people out there? How can they connect with you? Photography is accessible. Don't be scared if you're not technical, you don't need to have a fancy camera, you don't need to have all those amazing skills. If you really like it, you will learn. You will learn. Try, shoot, meet some people, continue to shoot. Never stop that. I think if we speak just about photography, it's about dedication, love for it. So don't get stuck with what people will think about your work. Don't wait anyone to explain you if it's good or not. Do your things. Learn a lot. And you will have fun with photography. And it will allow you to meet amazing people like how <laughs> many photographers I met in the city. And I feel very feel it's a blessing on myself. Thanks to you, brother. So it's a pleasure to meet you. And for everyone who wants to keep in touch with Raphael, his Instagram is Cambodia underscore streetwise. It's C-A-M-B-O-D-I-A underscore S-T-R-E-E-T-W-I-S-E. Is there any other way that we can connect with you or Instagram would be the best way? Instagram would be the best way, I think. I'm visiting your website right now, so I go slow. One step at a time. Exactly. So it seems like great things gonna happen soon. And it comes to the end of the podcast. I'm How. This is Raphael. Thanks you for listening to the second episode of the Youth Family Podcast. Signing off. Thank you. Thank you. Cool.